Welcome to this Vet Team AMR podcast from RCVS Knowledge, leading responsible antimicrobial use in farm, companion, and equine teams. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm going to talk to Angie Rayner and David Singleton, who are co clinical leads of Vet Team AMR at RCVS Knowledge. Angie is also Director of QI at CVS, and David is an epidemiologist at Liverpool University. Um, we're going to talk about Vet Team AMR. Hi, both. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, so we'll start with how, how did this Vet Team AMR thing start? What, what's it all about and how did it start? I'll hand this over to David. It seemed to all start when he sent me a message, sent me an email about, Angie, I've got an idea for a project. <laughs> and so and so David how, how did that progress for you from there the sort of the, the background to the kind of thinking about what about a project was um uh, I I used to work with the small animal veterinary surveillance network SASNET and my my kind of passion my my slight borderline obsession is AMR and we, we just completed a paper on uh treatment uh, of acute diarrhea in in dogs and sort of looked at evidence generation and things like that and kind of got to the point of saying you know in terms of acute mild diarrhea is there really any need for antibiotics at all quite possibly not felt very sort of confident about it uh, and then a little while later Angie picked up the phone and said you know what a practitioner within within her group has read all the evidence uh read your paper and has been convinced to give it a try of not prescribing for acute diarrhea and the first, I can't remember how many cases, it might have been 10 cases of having their view gone badly. What could what could we do to kind of help this practitioner, you know, understand more about their own clinical practice, maybe convince them to stay the course and carry on? And at that point I went, uh, oh, um, uh, I don't really have anything. Um, as I think we kind of recognise, we're you know we're we're fortunate. We're collecting large volumes of data increasingly, and it can kind of start to give an overview on a population scale. But when it comes back to the practitioner, having to jump jump the line, jump the divide almost in terms of how they've always prescribed, for example, and now moving to something new, that's that's quite a leap on an individual level. Um, and we didn't really have any mechanisms to help them. In, in that leap, how how could we actually help practitioners in a meaningful way to uh, prescribe antimicrobials responsibly? And 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 that you know that's where quality improvement steps in, doesn't it? Is is the how do we improve? Sort of gathering that sort of local knowledge of how we do that in the local context. So we devised a plan of uh, will this sort of QI approach work? in promoting sort of uh, sort of appropriate use of antibiotics and equally to be able to learn from each other from how we implement these approaches. And so, so yes, we, we looked at providing benchmarking data, which creates awareness around, you know, how am I, um, where am I prescribing, where's my prescribing data as opposed, you know, as compared to my peers. Equally, um, you know, looking at a pro providing some clinical guidelines around prescribing, but also giving people their prescribing data, which we, we we found to be really helpful in helping people to reflect on, gosh, is there any room for improvement here? You know, with, with of course, the benefit of, of hindsight and what can we learn from each other and how can we support each other um, in that pursuit? So that's how we started. 
that's how we started and and uh we and being in the in the fortunate position of uh you know qual doing quality improvement work within cvs you know we were able to recruit some some practices in in a randomized controlled trial to be able to test these different approaches and and fortunately we were we were successful in doing that and when David and I and, and the rest of the SABSnet uh, team were sitting in the University of Liverpool looking at our results and we were like this is fantastic right how do we share this with the profession we have to let people know that this approach can work and so and that's when we picked up the phone to our CVS knowledge and asked for their help and here we are, Pam, David, here we are. Excellent. And, and, and it sounds like um, it's going to be really, really useful for people in practices. So so what is it actually going to be then, Vet Team AMR? What will it consist of? So it's a it's a, it's a multi-part uh, uh, tool, really. Um, we hope, uh, although we're starting with a, a, a learning platform, which is um, kindly, I mean, how many practitioners, academics, I, I don't know how many people have been involved with creating resources, but it's an amazing resource spanning across, you know, from the, the fundamentals of antimicrobial resistance, you know, the biology, uh, epidemiology, etc., right through to hopefully at least practical uh, guidance and support uh, for prescribers out there in practice from dogs, cats, horses, but, but also hopefully a little bit on exotics as well. This, I guess, we see as kind of the basis is, you know, is spreading, spreading the word, spreading the learning, hopefully making it a little bit easier for those busy practitioners to gain access to the relevant uh, resources at a time which suits them. However, we we did want to learn from the trials that Angie and I conducted. And as Angie sort of pointed out a second ago um, about the, the importance of data, uh, what we're also trying uh, to do is to uh, provide a mechanism for uh, practitioners to uh, audit their prescribing uh, against other practices that take part in the scheme. We think this, at least in our experience, shone quite a, a good light on um, how people prescribe. Uh, I've kind of got this view almost that individual prescribers are often kind of an island within their own consult room. And you can kind of, the island might get a bit bigger within practice, but it's still quite isolated. I think connecting practitioners together and learning from each other is really important. The uh, the, the the final element then is, um, it almost links back to our kind of original motivation for, for doing this, uh, is, you know, what happens when people decide to change, but don't have a mechanism for assessing that improvement. Uh, so we've devised a sort of owner-involved approach, uh, which seeks to sort of define clinical outcomes for, for a select group of patients within each practice. For example, if someone did decide that they wanted to um, stop treating with antibiotics for acute diarrhoea, this might give a mechanism where they recruit owners to this platform and then can follow them up, you know, seven days, ten days later to see actually how well did they do, uh, the animals did whether they were or were not prescribed antibiotics and uh, what we hope is that these three areas together will kind of provide you know the the, the learning the benchmarking and then the the patient uh, well owner reported outcomes rather client reported outcomes um, that might just uh, support vets if they are deciding to make these sort of behavioral changes in practice that's really interesting. Using client reported outcomes, that's very much like the canine cruciate registry that we also have at RCBS Knowledge. I think that's great to actually involve clients 
um, and, and it will surely help practitioners with, um, you know, these discussions with, with clients too. So um, the the resource, was it going to be, um, I mean, we have Farm Vet Champions and that is um, lots of different webinars. Is this going to be lots of webinars online? How, how will it work? Well, I think that, well, the learning platform itself um, has has been really wonderful in, in bringing together a whole host of um, people who've been working on, you know, the, the topic of, of antimicrobial stewardship for many years. And so bringing a lot of people together to um, bring in their knowledge and expertise, especially on clinical um, uh, syndrome based or clinical problem based, you know, focus. And so some web some very sort of bite-sized um, webinars to to watch you, you can hone in on specific conditions that you would like to you know if that you, you would like to know more about uh, but then equally um, with armed with that knowledge you can then sort of focus in on what it is that you want to know uh, what it is that you want to audit and we're also discussing potentially starting out with sort of na a, a national approach to using this audit platform um, to specific, you know, focus on specific conditions first so that we can really hone in on and focus in, in on um, what we want to learn, what we want to know what, and how we, how we can improve in these specific areas. And, but then equally people can use the platform however they, they choose. It's pretty flexible as well. So, so we're, we're leaving it open to people on how they want to use it. But it's um, a little bit of learning and a lot of practical application on um, auditing our, our prescribing usage. Sounds like great CPD to, for, for, um, for everyone. Is it, is it just aimed at vets or other members of the team too? No, uh, absolutely. So um, it, we very much hope that this will be vets, vet nurses, the whole the whole practice team uh, can get involved. Um, I can only speak. I do a little bit of sort of work in the medical medical world, and it seems to all too often be uh, the nurses, particularly, that really kind of lead the enthusiasm and drive for clinical audit. And I think that's something that certain profession where we're trying to get the whole team involved. But I think that's a real step to be to be taken uh, I guess uh, with, with this project to ensure that we we do involve the whole team uh, from the very beginning because they, they all have they can, all can have an impact on AMR. And reception the reception team too the client care mm. team that have that are well placed also to have you know convert you know to to reinforce the conversations that were you know are being had in consultation rooms um reception are you know they're the gatekeepers to to everything really so so how you know they're they're really well placed to engage clients in that conversation too yeah i agree i think um they're the ones who are going to have the odd client complaining because they don't, their animal didn't get antibiotics so if they understand what it's all about i think that's really important yeah absolutely if you you all too often hear the, you know, the client who was nice, nice to the vet who then turned around to the receptionist and maybe was a little bit more blunt, shall we say. Um, it's important to remember that you're right. So um, it sounds brilliant and it's a, and it's free, all that free CPD and, and it sounds like a fantastic um, learning platform and resource. What do you hope that it will actually achieve? What do you hope Vet Team AMR will achieve? I hope it's a place where we can bring together, you know, the whole of the the UK vet profession uh, to really, um, you know, learn from each other, collaborate from uh, with each other to learn what uh, what steps can we take to improve stewardship. 
um, in, in our practice and, and with our prescribing. And because there's so much power within a group of people who are, are who are united in, in a shared purpose. And so um, for all of us to be able to do that is is a pretty amazing thing, you know, and 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 equally when we can demonstrate the, the change that we're making. Um, what a what a great thing to be able to celebrate, but also share with other professions, other you know industries um, who can take this uh, our experience and our knowledge and, and potentially apply it to to what they're doing, and and so our our, our reach can really um, hopefully expand. David, what about you? What do you think? I was, I was thinking. Um, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing the, the, you know, what, what happens with the, the client involvement, particularly. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, although the Ken and Cruciate uh, registry is a really good example of this, this journey beginning, beginning almost of involving clients in clinical quality improvement. I think um, it, it's still quite relatively it's been quite uncharted waters, and you know, understanding more about. I think sort of what I hope to be at least an untapped enthusiasm for bringing clients along to to the betterment of you know canine and well animal welfare in general. I think I think that's going to be something that could be very interesting and hopefully, well, we certainly do hope will be successful. So, is antimicrobial resistance a big problem in companion animal practice? Do you think? Oh, very very good question, Pam. Uh, I almost want to start start answering by I guess considering the global the global picture um, and maybe slightly frustrating early go straight to humans um, we, we, we do know that uh, resistances are building problems problem in humans um, at the moment uh, the, the quite recent estimates from 2019 of around 1.2 million people per year die from resistant infections uh, which is actually an unimaginable almost an unimaginable number to be honest and that is predicted and indeed on course to to rise to 10 billion people per year by 2050 which would place resistance as the leading cause of death globally that of course you know those are some scary figures right aren't they but um i think what we do know is that you know any any prescription of antibiotics is a risk factor for development and dissemination of resistance and we should come at it with this sort of you know the bigger global view of saying that actually whether or not almost uh, resistance is an individual problem in the animals that you treat we all have a collective responsibility to ensure that antimicrobials are used responsibly so that's the i guess that's the global global picture if you go down to companion animals it is perhaps somebody the water does get a little bit more muddy at this point because in, in many respects the the burden of resistant infection in animals and companion animals are kind of un, unknown i guess um there are various sort of you know factors that surround that um such as you know a relatively low uh, rate of uh undertaking bacterial cultural and susceptibility in practice um for quite often pragmatic reasons, but it does underline a, an issue of us actually saying, OK, what what is the burden of resistance infections in these in these species? That said, uh, there are increasing reports of, of uh, resistant infections in dogs and cats and other companion animals, and they 
are causing you know a building level of of concern i think i think people in practice would, would recognize it becoming more of a maybe a daily or weekly feature of their practice life rather than a monthly or annual feature of their practice life for example i don't know angie if you want to say anything from your perspective um we know you we know it's the overuse and misuse of antibiotics that that really contribute to um resistance and and what can we do as you know as individuals to um to really try and, and do our best to um you know prevent that from happening and so uh, and and use antibiotics responsibly and then either you know when we do that well either we either have something to learn or something to share and so we have then a responsibility to do one of those things and and so by reflecting on our prescribing um, if there's room for improvement, great. Let's learn on how best to do that. Um, if we if we if we've done it, then let's share that learning. So yes, for for me, I suppose it's it's knowing that look, this is this is uh, uh, as you said, David. It's a global health threat that can will likely touch every single one of us in some way or another in the coming decade or decades, and and. And um, and we have an opportunity to try and do something about that. So that's why we're here. Uh, absolutely, and perhaps there's a another a slightly different perspective as as well, which is almost wider than AMR is. But at least in my my sort of experience, it it's proving to be quite a a good kind of call it a use case almost for for quality improvement because of this kind of well, fairly dire predictions, I guess, for the future. It's, it, it's folk focused minds and focused efforts across across professions uh, to really try to make improvements. And I think I think that that can almost, you know, in terms of a sort of a more positive message, I guess that can't be understated. That you know, with with improvements in prescribing comes improvements in infection control. Isolation procedures. I, I, I won't. I won't list all, all the areas of practice that could also improve, but there are improvements. I think that can kind of be catalyzed by by the issue of AMR. Yes. Yes. And and we've you know we've shown we've shown that that we can affect change. We can do it. And and having that you know those focused minds and as you say, David, um, is really beneficial in that respect. And this is a way to. I guess you know this platform is a learning platform and other platforms are are a way to facilitate that. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and and um, and that's really interesting because I think you know people think about using antibiotics, but infection control is so so important. I think that's something that we learned during um, the COVID pandemic too. Um, you know, so it's not just about the antibiotics, but but and it's not about not using them, is it? It's about reducing and using them responsibly. Yes, that's right. I think um, David and I have have had uh, long conversations about this, <laughs> David, about, you know, even when we're thinking about benchmarking, um, because benchmarking is, it's something to sort of gauge progress by potentially, but, but equally, you know, there's, there's really value in knowing your, knowing your data and understanding it, you know, why do you have the results that you do? 
And, you know, getting below the benchmark may not always be the right thing for you. It's it's about understanding what's appropriate. And, and this is what we really try to build into the audit platform is can we demonstrate appropriateness and um, and and facilitate people knowing whether or not it's appropriate in a, in a fairly straightforward way. Absolutely. That's it's funny you, you, you've touched on this, Pam, really, because it was part of the un underlying thinking between the client reported outcomes feature of, uh, of team, uh, VETIM AMR. There's because, yes, we could look at outcomes to, uh, following prescribing, but that can also involve, you know, safety related outcomes as well. When, as I think, and I, I'm certainly not going to attempt to mind read a profession. That would be a bad, very unwise thing to do. But I think in at least many, many vets' minds, when they're deciding not to prescribe, it's it's the risk balance, isn't it? You know, yeah. what happens if I do? What happens if I don't? And at, at the moment when you, I think possibly the scales are slightly more balanced towards the risk being perceived as being lower if you do prescribe just in case. And that's considering no, not you know, not having guaranteed follow-up and other, other other features of practices are is understandable. But uh, you know, I, I kind of see it as at least part part of our job to try to rebalance those scales uh, to to help that in practice. And close the loop, that loop of understanding, mm -hmm. right, and, and learning around. Okay, I've prescribed or I've not prescribed. What happened? What happened? Mm -hmm. and, and be able to use that learning potentially next time when you're faced with a similar situation. And, and quality healthcare, um, veterinary healthcare, should be um, should obviously be safe and effective, but it's also got to be sustainable, hasn't it? And there's an intersection here a little bit, I think, with sustain sustainability and animal welfare, really, majorly, because if we if these antibiotics start not working for the animals, then we have an animal welfare issue too. You're right. I was, I was quite. Um... I'm almost quite surprised. There was a meeting last year, with, which was representative of various practice groups, and it was interesting that I think largely independently they'd put AMR within their sustainability goals within their, you know, within their practice vision or strategy, whatever word you want to use. And I think it, it's interesting because I've, I've I've kind of always equated, you know, environment sort of environmental causes with AMR a little bit in my mind, and it's interesting to see that actually taking place. You know, at a, at a like a business level as well, I guess. So, so how can practices actually get involved in this? When will they be able to access these things? Well, to get involved, currently, um, what we're asking practices is to register their details on the website um, to be kept up to date with what's happening. They can go to rcsknowledge.org forward slash vet team AMR for companion animal. Um, there is a date in the books for June 20th, and there will be more um, details coming out then. So if you register your, register your, your interest, you'll be sent um, that information equally, of course, on RCS Knowledge social media channels. Um, it will also be um, promoted there. Yeah, and, and I suppose we just want everybody to get involved, don't we? I mean, it's obvious that both of you are so enthusiastic about about this and, and it's such a massively important subject. I mean, those figures that you quoted, David, were were so scary, but, you know, it, it's really, really important. Um, so, yeah. And the other thing we maybe haven't mentioned is these resources are free because of the help that we've had at RCBS Knowledge. Um, we're a charity and also from VMD that have financed 
this work too. So the, the resources are free, so why wouldn't people want to access them? Yes, exactly. And access the, the information and talk to your team about it. How can how can each person on your team get involved and and um, and and tell them, you know, talk about why it's important and um, and and that usually, you know, motivates people to, to get involved. David, have you got any last words for our listeners? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm tempted to go very inspirational, go, go, go vet team AMR. Yes. And, and keep it simple keep it simple like that um but <laughs> I, I think I, in, in, in truth i couldn't i couldn't say it better than angie just has uh, i think you know particularly that whole team involvement i think it's something that uh, maybe we didn't touch on very much with the trial that we kind of inspired this i guess is it, it did seem you know that it's starting those practice conversations giving people time to consider cases and reflect and move forward so I think uh, as much as the data, I think it's it's bringing the team together, which is important. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've seen in other areas of life that when you bring minds together, you bring enthusiasm together, you can make real impact. And I, what we really hope is that Vettime Amar is going to be one of those. Excellent. So everyone together, we can make a difference to this. Thank you for listening to this Vet Team AMR podcast from RCVS Knowledge. Visit rcvsknowledge.org forward slash AMR for free CPD, benchmarking and audit tools to improve your antimicrobial use.